Hey, welcome to the Product Leadership Podcast from Lighthouse London, where we talk about how to validate, launch and maintain successful digital products with product owners, innovators, digital experts and founders. Lighthouse London are a digital design and product development team who spent the last 10 years helping people conceive, build and steer digital products. You can find out more about us and more podcast episodes at wearelighthouse.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Product Leadership Podcast. This is Tom in the hot seat. No, I'm not in the hot seat. You're in the hot seat. Anyway. You're in a hot seat of sorts. <laughs> we'll do that again. Oh, that one. That one's good. <laughs> We're talking about imperfection. Oh, it's yeah. per- perfect, yeah. uh, perfect start to this imperfect <laughs> yeah. podcast. Uh, I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Steve Chapman, who you've heard already. Hello. Hi there. Um, Steve works in the realm of creativity. Would that be fair to, to sum up what you do? Yeah. Well, I'm interested in creativity and how human beings are altered by it, how they get on with creativity. Um, so I came across Steve a while back after reading a book, which I'm not supposed to talk about, but That's does exist. Right. Um, yeah. But I found that really interesting and, and uh, a lot of stuff that you wrote about how to kind of inspire creativity in people and the different techniques that you use. Um, but we thought we'd get you on to talk about the, the work you do. Why don't you start off by kind of giving us a bit of intro to you and your, your background? Yeah, okay. Um, I left school having done A-level geography, just nice. so I could go up mountains. <laughs> cool. With a D in A-level geography was my crowning achievement. Um, and I left school, I think, with the story that I am neither intelligent nor creative. Um, yeah, at primary school, I was very creative. So something happened in school. Right. Um, so I left and got a job in a factory, um, packing boxes. Um, and 20 years later, I left that company as Global Director of Leadership and Organisation Development. Nice. So something happened in something that, happened in that there, time. Yeah, you did well at something. Um, but it was during that time where I became fascinated by human beings. Like working in factories is brilliant. There's no, there's no nonsense. There's no like corporate um, bingo word bingo <laughs> in a factory. Yeah, and that's just where I become fascinated by human beings. It's just like these are amazing creatures. Right. Um, and then I eventually left uh, the organisation and went out um, on my own to explore other organisations. Um, so what prompted the the move? I, I think I finally got over my self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, self-doubt was a great employee retention tool for me. Um, and I did a master's, mm-hmm. a master's degree that I wrote my dissertation on creativity and spontaneity. Nice. And I went and got my final mark for it and thought, oh, actually, maybe I'm not stupid. <laughs> and then my organisation, God bless them, had um, paid for the master's. And then I went and said, I'm now leaving. Right. But that, that was the prompt. We left on good terms. Cool. But it was, um, it was just sort of slaying that academic demon yeah, and then once once you do that, you can do anything really. Had you learned the skills you needed to go and do what you you done after leaving this I, job? I think I'd um, worked out the questions I wanted to explore. Right. Um, and the great the great thing is, having spent twenty years in a big corporate, um, like immersed in it in everything from procurement to HR to manufacturing strategy, all of that, you learn how stuff works. Mm. Um, and then the rest of the time, I've just, ever since I've left, I've just been exploring. Well, what's the opposite to these traditions? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, what happens if we if we um, abandon strategy? What happens if we don't have agendas? Yeah. Um, if we break down some of the hierarchies. Um, so describe to us what you've been doing ever since you you kind of left your your day job, so to speak. So the first day I sat at my desk at home and just thought, "Oh, you loser!" <laughs> well, you walked away from some like, big, secure, decent, salaried job. Um, and then I just started blogging. I just started yeah. writing stuff. Um, and I put the blogs out there and people go, oh, this is really interesting. And I, I think, really? <laughs> um, and then that led to other things. 
I remember someone read a blog and said, will you come and do a talk at um, the RSA on creativity? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. And then after that, I immediately thought, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, yeah. I have no, no idea right how it. to do this. Yeah. And then I did it, and then I got my first clients from that. Cool. But all the writing, all the, literally everything I do is for me, which mm -hmm. sounds really selfish. It's my own exploration of questions. Mm. So there isn't really a product in that, which is weird. Um, so it means I'm working with others that want to explore these questions with me. What kind of things have you been working on recently? So there's always um, our work in the corporate world and in other just random projects mm -hmm. um, that never pay anything but are yeah. interesting. Um, and I've been working with a couple of uh, organisations like really immersed in how do we nurture a culture of creativity. Mm -hmm. um, and every organisation is interested in innovation. Um, you can't see the air quotes on uh, the podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you, you get what there. I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but few are really interested in actually what creativity for me is a social and psychological process. Mm -hmm. It's simply our capacity to experience and express difference. So can I show up fully as myself and be okay with you showing up fully as yourself? Mm -hmm. And that requires some real letting go of stuff in an organisational sense. Yeah. Showing up and as much as I'd love to say it does, showing up and doing a one-off workshop will really make not much difference at all. Yeah, Even though it's a good business model and I'd, yeah, uh, it would yeah, work yeah. better for me financially. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of organisations that I'm working with where I'm just sort of immersed in there. Mm -hmm. So there's been some quite intensive workshops, some coaching, some action learning, some stuff that's clearly not worked, some stuff that's worked well. Mm. But again, it's a partnership. So you're um, always trying new stuff out and seeing how it works and then yeah. kind of evolving from yeah. there. Yeah, so there's a, there's an intention but not a plan. Gotcha. Um, because if there was a plan and it all works out, we're not really challenging anything. And the other thing with doing this work is if everyone's agreeing that it's brilliant, yeah. then it's not really any good um, yeah. because it's just colluding. I'm interested in the kind of work that you do with these clients um and you know i see a lot of kind of innovation people come in and run the same thing again and again yeah and uh i'm sure that's fine and it does inspire something among people we do similar stuff ourselves at yeah. times um but i love the idea of coming into organization and learning about them and kind of building a kind of yeah. uh, a plan with them like can you give some examples of the sort of thing you've done with companies recently yeah. well there's one um the best things are the things that weren't planned and they mm. came out of a mistake i think um yeah. So an organisation I'm working with for the last year and doing a number of like workshops and action learning sets around, I don't know, it's called innovation, just so I can get through the door. Sure. Um, and it's been encouraging people to experiment, mm -hmm. to experiment with challenging some of the norms day to day and working out what happens. And it's got to the point where I, I tend to try and not get in via the traditional route and never write proposals um, or rarely write proposals. I'd write a proposal on the back of a conversation, but not to get into a conversation because I just hate doing it. That makes sense, yeah. Um, and I tend to find someone within the belly of the organisation that's a, a bit of a challenger, a bit of a rebel, and we'd start the work, and then the senior people notice. It's my favourite. So there's a there's a big retailer I've been working with where I've been doing that for the last, I don't know, couple of years, and it's got to the point where uh, we needed to work with the directors, the senior team. Mm -hmm. And again, my, my, my I don't like calling her a client because she's a friend. My friend within the organisation um, said, well... We need to do this work with the senior leaders, um, but they've only got, I think it was three hours, right. um, and they, they they needed to feel okay. What we was doing was okay, and so I thought, okay, well, I don't know what we can do in three hours, but we'll see. And then a few days before, um, I got another email saying, and it's happening over lunch. They need to take lunch in the middle of that as well, and you've got like two hours now. And I just thought this is a disaster. <laughs> um, 
But then the, there's a one of my favourite Zen sayings is the obst- uh, sayings is the obstacle becomes the path. So of right, course, yeah, yeah. they need to have lunch. So I emailed all of these senior directors saying, um, please, it's a bring your own buffet. Mm-hmm. Please bring something that you have made at home or mm-hmm. bought to share with your friends. And when I told my client this, she went, you can't do that. So like, <laughs> these are top directors. Yeah, and yeah. everyone I spoke to said, no, 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 don't, no, you don't ask them to do that. Yeah. And I had emails back from PA saying, um, does so-and-so need to do this? And I thought, <laughs> yeah. And other people in the organisation would say, well, yeah, it's been nice working with you. But that, that reaction, <laughs> that reaction was so interesting. Yeah, I bet, yeah. And then on the day, people showed up. Some people bought food. Mm. Some senior people didn't even know because their PA had just sorted it out for them. Right, right. Other people were really, they, they were ashamed of what they bought. Um, <laughs> but then we just, we didn't do any other work apart from eat the food we've created together and talk about the experience of being asked to bring your own food. I, I told the stories of how many people were horrified at the fact that I was asking some other human beings to bring food for each other. <laughs> um, how the PA had defended some people. Some of them were saying, I would have bought something if I'd known. Yeah. And that was a real live experience of disturbing norms. Mm. Um, I never planned it that way, and I could probably never do it again. But that that was an example of that working live with what is. And it led to some really fruitful stuff. And at the end, I said to the group, look, this was the experiment. If you couldn't tolerate the request to bring your own food without ejecting me, Mm. there's no way we're going to be able to do this other work. Yeah. That was my favourite piece of, I mean, seat of the pants stuff. But, yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah. I mean, it's good to hear it, it worked. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really nice way to work with senior teams because the, the ones we've worked with for have, have often been so used to that corporate structure and, you know, things have to work a certain way yeah. because they're the bosses. And, yeah, and yeah. that's it, a really interesting way to challenge certainly those people at the top. How have you found working with people, you know, lower down the rungs like what kind of stuff do you get up with them up to with them and and how does that all generally go i mean it's normally um very immersive experimental Mm -hmm. stuff and i'll have i'll have my go-to's but they're sort of there in the bag as we use them um because for me doing this work is about uh three things about permission uh constraints and imperfection and with any group it's around how do we create the psychological and social permission to be a bit more mad, bad and wrong, to disturb norms, to be different, mm-hmm. to experience difference. So I'd maybe spend a lot of time just warming them up to notice how they resist difference. Yeah, of course. So there's a lot of um, a lot of experiments, a lot of work that I, I drew from my experience in improvisational theatre. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of improvisation games and warm-ups that, that start to make... I don't want people to enjoy them necessarily. I want to notice that... that prickliness of them yeah is it kind of putting them out of their comfort zone yeah. a bit and it's it's so what i'm trying to do with people is find what i call the sweet spot of discomfort mm-hmm. so it's not the comfort zone but it's not the distress zone yeah. neither of those really work and it's different for different people and then constraints are brilliant because you're always going to have constraints there's never enough time resources money or anything and people organizations talk as if they're the only ones mm-hmm. but no one else exists in a different time pattern yeah. or a different reality but if we have the creative permission, then constraints are an invitation to be creative. Mm-hmm. In the same way, the story with the uh, the lunch for the senior directors for that sure. was a constraint, and it led to novelty. Yeah. Um, and then, only then, would I start maybe working with some, I don't know, divergent, convergent thinking techniques, which are all all very well and good. But if you've not created that permission and that embracing of constraint and yeah. that embracing of imperfection, they don't do anything. I guess it's setting the scene, isn't it? And getting people in the right mood yeah. to, to kind of be able to explore that stuff yeah. better. Um, Cause if you just dive straight into like 
uh, standard way of doing this stuff, um, you know, you're not going to get the most value out of people. No, and I very rarely, if I'm working with a group for two days, it may only be the second half of the second day that we'll even talk yeah. about anything that's relevant to do with our work. Okay, wow. Just because um, experience and expertise is um, is disempowering, mm. I think, in this work. If you're so close and so immersed in something, it's really difficult to see an alternative. So you're trying to disconnect people a lot from their day job or their, their yeah. standard work? So thinking. we may just... Um, I do a, a thing sometimes called Kitten's Cave, which is a nicer version of Dragon's Den. Because okay. so, Dragon's Den is quite competitive, quite yeah, macho, yeah. Quite, quite masculine. And Kitten's Cave is let's just the most ridiculous things. Let's try and break the universe with these ridiculous inventions that will never work. Um, <laughs> and so they have to pitch those ideas. And then we or... pitch them to each other, right. but in a non-competitive way. I tried to make it like a, a gospel church, where as they're pitching, everyone else is just jumping up saying, Hallelujah, brother, yeah, <laughs> right on, sister. Um, and even though intellectually and logically they're going, well, how do I apply this? What is the relevance of this? That, that type of learning is embodied learning. Mm. It's, it's a physical experience. You just you can park your logical brain for a minute. It uh, makes a lot of sense, you know, getting people out thinking differently is a nice way to turn up gold and the most important thing um and i've learned this um through going to lots of creativity workshops that didn't do it for me lots of Mm. things that i've done that haven't worked if i'm not also in that same position as Mm -hmm. a facilitator or as a coach it doesn't work right so which is why I, i i need to be on the edge of not knowing i need to be in my discomfort zone yeah um because otherwise, people will only go where you're prepared to go i think so if i was involved in all yeah yeah, absolutely um I'll lose my chain of thought, I'll try something out that doesn't work, but it, at one level that could look like incompetence, and I'm yeah. sure some people will think it is, but at another level I'm, I'm saying that I'm in this with you. Hey, this is Christy from Lighthouse. I've been working on specking and building out MVPs for our clients recently. Find out about how we help people get validated ideas built, over at wearelighthouse.com slash MVP. So there's, there's work you do in the kind of corporate world, but also mm. there's a load of events that you run and a lot of other kind of experiments yeah. that you run outside of that. So why don't you run for a couple of them? Uh, I think I divided my work before mentally into um, fertile and fruitful. Mm-hmm. So the corporate work's fruitful because it will pay. Um, but if I don't have that fertile space to experiment, then I end up, as like you said earlier, just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So the public workshops, again, totally selfish are for me to explore stuff. There's a few that I run by myself. So there's a mask workshop. So yeah. I started get, working with masks um, a good couple of years ago as a way to explore our personality, um, to get in touch with the parts of our personality that we've repressed. And then you do a TEDx talk yeah, on my, my Yeah, my TEDx talk on the inner critic, I started with the um, wearing the mask of my inner critic. Yeah. And it is the most bizarre and most potent and exciting work that I do is mask workshops. Cool. Um, because I've seen people that can't sing, sing. I've seen people that think that they can't public speak, do an improvised, perfect, like, uh, keynote talk on a subject <laughs> that they know nothing about. Wow. And the mask is a bit of plastic that I've made. Um, yeah, yeah. Shaped in a certain way. And so the idea is this: someone gets up and does something behind the mask to try and uh, yeah, kind it's, of open them up. Or? Yeah, it's, a, it's techniques I learned from the theatre di- director Keith Johnson. Is using a mirror and the the, sh- the initial shock of not recognising yourself. Yeah. And then I'm working one to one with people. Just start, 
starting to nurture this different side of their personality. So you, you um, mentioned the kind of giving keynote speeches. That ties in with your inexpert event, is that right? Yeah, my whole interest is in the tyranny of expertise. Mm-hmm. It, it seems that the corporate world and just society in general, we're stuck in loops of common sense. This makes sense to me, but I've not tested it out of anyone else. Logic is always of the past. Cause the reason something's logical is because it's been proven at some point there's not this moment. Yeah. Um, which means that using logic and expertise in that in that way is flawed. It keeps us stuck. So I've been interested in the power of not knowing for a long time, um, and that was where I started the lab, which uh-huh. is where the the thing that you're talking about grew from. Yeah. So I was sitting at a conference um, in 2015, uh, which was on personal development or something, and I just thought, oh, I'm fed up with experts being wheeled in. Everyone there was just writing down what the experts were saying. Um, which is which is fine, but come up with your own perspective on it. For sure, yeah. And then lots of people were saying, well, there's nothing new in this world. And I just thought, oh, I'm done with these conferences. Yeah. So I started The Lab, which is a not-for-profit um, place for people to try out stuff they've never done before. It's a, it's a, it's a place to be playful with not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people like you or I or anyone that think, there's something I want to try out, but it's too risky to try out on clients or other people. They come and try it out. Um, and the only rules for an experiment, so anyone can bring an experiment to the lab, are you've never done it before, you don't know how it's going to work out, and it's in service of enlivening human beings. And it's been, and some people come along just to participate in experiments, other people yeah. come along um, to, to lead them. And it's just been the most joyful thing over the last two years. How many have I've, you had now then? There's been 10. I've learned more from people just not knowing, being on that edge of not knowing. Hmm. Um, and experiencing that than I have from any lecture or anything else. Yeah, Because it's something different. Their attention is different. They haven't got their expertise to fall back on. So they're mm. totally present and alert. They're present with the people they're working with. And we, it's just so endearing. And so I've learned so much from that. Um, and then an expert grew from that. I always preface this by saying I've got nothing against TED. Um, <laughs> when I did my TED talk, they were lovely to me. So it, it's genuinely, I always want to put that in. In experts thinking, well, what's the opposite of TED? Sure. Because there's a lot around, uh, well, not just TED, there's loads of things out there. I know it could be anything. Um, yeah. 99U, do all of those things. Yeah. Um, there's a lot around branding, there's a lot around preparation. Um, and I just thought, well, what would happen if people spoke from a place of not knowing? It's an interesting concept, definitely. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you in many ways that TED stuff's great and you can listen to these smart people talking about things that they've done, but applying that to yourself is something else entirely, right? Yeah. I mean, that's where when I did mine, I wanted it to be inconclusive, and mm. it is. I think there's a point in it where I say, and now I should be telling you the three steps to follow. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there isn't. There isn't. That's the end. And there's something, what I'm interested in is how dissatisfying we find a lack of answers mm. or a lack of conclusion. So in expert, it's literally, I was out running, um, which is where all my ideas come from. Um, if I get my heart rate over a certain amount, then I get crazy ideas. Um <laughs> is what would happen if I did the opposite of TED. Um, and it's City Lit Theatre, 100 seat of theatre, on the 11th of May, um, 15 speakers, which have been pretty hard to choose from the amount of people that were interested, speaking on subjects that they're passionate about but they have no expertise in. And are these people that have been to the lab before? Or is it's, it... it's a mixture. There was an open call for speakers. I had about yeah. 40 applicants for 15 slots. Cool. Um, wow. Many were just obviously people that have a Google alert set up for call for speakers yeah. um, and were coming to talk about stuff and hadn't read the brief. <laughs> many wanted to, and everyone that applied, I offered them a free ticket. 
because um, right. who am I to judge whether they're an expert or not? A lot of people wanted to talk about the importance of not knowing or the importance of experimentation. Yeah, but that's still from a position once removed. Yeah, yeah. the ones that I was really interested in were the people that their applications were quite. I didn't understand them. Okay, they clearly didn't know what they were doing when they were writing them. <laughs> and then I've had uh, Skype interviews and. I've selected the speakers on the basis of how they've been on the call rather than their subject matter. Mm-hmm. And there's the, the people that lose themselves in their chain of thought when they're trying to explain this. That sounds very interesting. So if you want to come along and see how it all unfolds, that's... Uh, yeah. That's and I've, I've no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, City Lit have never done an event like this in that theatre before. I love yeah, the idea of something that like is a complete unknown and yeah. you never know quite where you're going to end up because it's completely opposite of every talk, right? You have a structure to it. Yeah. This person's talking about that, then we'll have Q&A, then we'll do this yeah. and that. And yours is completely opposite. And it may be that, um, say, uh, we're sitting here with a load of lovely books in this in this studio. I might say, right, my my talk is going to be on um, this <laughs> book that's called The Bone Garden. And it's a book and it's a green book and it's on the shelf and it looks like it's quite interesting. Yeah, that yeah. might be the end of my talk. That will feel really dissatisfying. Yeah. So the audience, I think they realise, um, they are as p- much part of this experiment as everything else. Mm. And then it's, it's been wonderful because so many people have stepped forward to volunteer. Um, my friend Nick Parker, who's a brilliant cartoonist, he used to draw mm. for Viz, is learning to play the trumpet. Um, cool. And I've never heard him, but he says he's not very good. He's doing the music for us. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, my friend James, who uh, used to work at the VNA, but never knew anything about curation, he's yeah. curating an inexpert exhibition in the foyer. That's cool. And City Lit art students are collecting all the stuff over the next couple of months that they would have thrown in the bin because they right. don't like it, and we're going to exhibit that. That's brilliant. Um, and it's just all the people helping to volunteer and stepping forward for it. No yeah. one's getting any money out of this. It's not for profit. Again, I think at the moment I stand to make five pound. <laughs> <laughs> That's if it goes to plan, which it won't. <laughs> but it's an experiment. It's yeah. um, the event is just part of the experiment. The yeah. experiment is talking to you about it now. It's what happens afterwards. And people keep saying, if it goes well, will you do it again? And there's there's two flawed assumptions in there one is that well exists yeah i mean if it goes well it might have even failed well i don't even know what well would be yeah because there isn't a right way to do it so there isn't a wrong it will just go yeah and then i could never do it again yeah i could not in this form Mm. there may be something else but i would know how to do do that again cool i think i might have to come along yeah (laughs) well and the the the, again where it is um of interest to me is the not-for-profit part of it mm. isn't just philanthropy on my part it's I think as soon as there's an exchange of money it changes the dimensions of everything absolutely there's the, the audience even if they're really up for it will want to get some sort of value mm. in they might not even be aware of it the speakers will feel like they have to give value yeah um, and so yeah I'm interested in how a lot around how profit and how the economy works actually stifles creativity on a day-to-day basis <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Like, I'm going to book my ticket, I reckon, to come along in, on the 11th of May. There's only um, 15 left. 15 left, right? I need to get on it. Um, yeah. That's the other uh, thing that surprised me, is people are actually interested in Wow. This. So how many tickets were there? It's 100. Still, wow, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's been really interesting talking to you. No, Thanks thank for coming you. along. Um, why don't you let people know where they can find out a bit more about you? Yep. So, kenscorpionsmoke.com. Mm-hmm. Um, just to repeat that, people, in case people are saying, what? <laughs> CanScorpionSmoke.com. Um, and that's a link to blogs, talks, um, my artwork, yeah. everything. There's loads of good um, 
articles up there that I mean my favourite thing that people have said about the website which was never designed in that way just evolved in that way was you can just get lost in it yeah yeah it's like Ikea you go in for one thing get lost in the middle and come out with a load of stuff you didn't want I don't, I've, I've done that before I think some <laughs> yeah. of the stuff I did want which is fine but um, but yeah I'd recommend people go and check that out for sure can they find you on Twitter or yep, online at Steve Zor which is Steve XOH um, and the same thing on Instagram as well awesome brilliant well thanks so much for coming in no thank you for good having me good to chat to you again yeah. thanks everyone for listening uh, we'll be back soon um, see you next time Thanks for listening. If you want more product leadership content, then head over to the Lighthouse site, wearelighthouse.com, for more podcasts and blogs. To find out more about our product leadership framework, check out wearelighthouse.com forward slash PLF. Find us on Twitter using at wearelighthouse. And if you've enjoyed the show, then we'd love a rating in iTunes to help spread the word. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to see the archive and get any future shows. Until next time, we'll see you then.